Hello, all you movers and shakers and indie art makers. This is Jay Michaels in the Passion Pit. This is my last broadcast for 2019. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Facebook, you know that we're doing reruns. And so you can listen to all the recordings of this year just by clicking and liking me on In the Passion Pit with Jay Michaels on Facebook. And then you can hear all the great stories that have occurred over the last year. This is my final broadcast, my holiday broadcast, is with my old buddy Sky Walters. He got his stage name from the time we first worked together. Walter Goldstein, as he was called up until then, used the character name from the show we worked on and propelled his career. He created a music business in Orlando that makes him some money and visibility and makes a powerful difference in the world. His own story is also truly the stuff of inspiration. I'm going right to the conversation this time. I want to shout out to our sponsors, Oplaud Theater Reviews and Marketing, High Drama Theater Reviews, which are both in print and on TV, and Dan Lane Williams Photography. Commercials and other such fanfare will return in 2020. Let's go to Orlando and Sky Walters. Sky Walters, good afternoon. If I'm on the line, you're on the air. Got it. <laughs> I'm always a fan of the different reactions. They've ranged from someone who knew it from the beginning, went, hello, uh, all the way down to, to someone go, what? What? I'm being recorded? So you're, you're, you're just somewhere in the middle. So, so that's great. How are you? I'm doing well today. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, now, now, Passion Pit uh, talks to independent artists about their successes and, and not-so-successes and things like that. And, and in my book, you are definitely a success. You went out to, where are you, in Miami or Florida? Orlando. Orlando. All right, well, there you go. I was wrong on both counts. You're out in Orlando, and you started a whole business for yourself. You started a DJ business, a singing, uh, singing operation, the whole works. Uh, uh, and it's been very, very successful all these years. Tell, tell our listeners all about it. Um, well, I, I started out, actually, I've been DJing for 30-plus years. Yikes! Uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. And uh, One of my friends who I used to work with used to say all the time, you should do a song live here or there. And he got me into karaoke, and I have all this karaoke music, so I started singing stuff live. And when I got down here to Orlando and started up DJ Karaoke, um, the first place I started doing was a, a, a country club. Um, they're, they're not 55 older, but they're a lot of older folks. But I started doing singing and parties for them, and all they'd want to hear is me doing the music live. So I'd wind up doing two and a half, three hours of 50s and 60s music for them at a dance. There you go. And then I hooked up with a Sammy Davis Jr. impersonator for a little while. Oh, my God. Okay. And, uh, for our listeners who are millennials, Sammy Davis Jr. was a very famous entertainer, an African-American entertainer in the 50s, 60s, and 70s for anyone, and even in the 80s, I think. Uh, just in case for our young listeners out there. I'm sorry. Please, go on. 
No, that's fine. You should also mention he was part of the Rat Pack. That's very important. There you go. And and, and I'll put a reference. And I'll put a reference to all who those are as well when I mention this. Uh, so we started doing nursing homes in the afternoons, and after Sammy and I stopped working together due to um, medical issues with my wife, I didn't have as much time as we needed. Um, one or two of the places would keep me when I could get there. And then as the medical issues with my wife cleared up, um, I wound up booked pretty much seven days a week with different nursing homes. So I would go to my normal job from 3.30 in the morning until 11 in the morning, 11.30 in the morning. I'd run home and I'd change clothes into dress clothes and I'd run out to a nursing home. And then from there I'd run to a, a bar or a, a VFW or American Legion and run karaoke and DJ parties that way. So On the weekends was usually weddings and, and reserved for, for other functions like that. So you still had another job that you had to do at those ungodly hours. Yes, um, and I, I was getting about six hours of sleep a week for a while. Oh my god! Uh, uh, a six hours a day. Uh, thank you. I was. It, it just dawned on me what you had said. How did that affect your voice? Because uh, that's something that every one of our listeners, uh, uh, the artists that listen, that is, uh, you know, when when you have the day job going to the night job, how does that affect the voice? Honestly, it got stronger <laughs> okay. because I was singing nonstop. And I believe it's Bernadette Peters who says you need to sing at least an hour a day or you're going to lose it. That I can believe, but I'm sure she had more than six hours of sleep a week. Probably. There you go. Um, and I did that for about two and a half years. And uh, then I, I, I was told I need to bring that down a little and get a little more sleep into my system. Yeah. So uh, I did just that. And... Uh, I've been doing this with the nursing homes for about 12 years now, and last year, um, I had to take a break for medical reasons of my own. Right, right. Um, do you want me to tell you? Or we're going to talk about that journey in a minute. I want, I want the audience okay. to, to know who, the, who the, the, the singer and the talent that they're listening to first. All right. Um... But whenever I can show up somewhere, everybody is absolutely thrilled. They go crazy when I walk in. And the name Sky is very important to people. Now, now what, do you, what do you call your act again? What's, what's the name of the act? Sky's the Limit Music. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, now you're doing a lot of nursing homes, and there's the stereotype of, of, of nursing homes and senior centers and things like that. But that's not the case with you. You have these, this vibrant audience. I see these pictures all the time. I see the videos you put up. Your audience, geez, some of, some of these cabarets in Manhattan should have audiences like you have. Yeah, and, and these are all great people who they are with it. I, I do tend to wear a pair of black and white shoes, wingtips, yep. which when I go into some of the nursing homes, they, um, the Alzheimer's units, which I do as well, they may not know my name, but they look down at the shoes and they, they point at me and go, you sing for us. And they they know who I am. Now, and, Now, there's an interesting thing when you say they know who you are. Uh, there are so many documentaries and so many uh, articles these days that talk about music therapy, that talk about how music helps people uh, who, who yeah. are afflicted mentally. 
do you find that when you go into these places, you're 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 talking to people, uh, you're singing for people who 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 aren't all there. I hate to I hate to be you know slang, who who aren't all there. When you sing, do you see it make a progress to them? Do you see them wake up? Absolutely. I had one gentleman who basically spends his entire day just walking the outer skirts wall of the wall. He just all he does is walk the wall. Mm. That's all he does all day long. And one day I came in and said, after he would walk around me, and I'm in the middle of Rock and Robin was actually the song I was singing. And he stopped and he was listening for a few seconds and he started to dance to it. That's great. That's really great. And and if I have the right group of nurses in the room, they get them all up dancing, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's just one at a time, but sometimes I'll get 10 or 12 of them up dancing to a song here or there. Uh, blue suede shoes they all respond to, um, any, anything from, from the 50s, basically, any of the 50s rock and roll, 57 to 63, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll react to. That makes sense. That makes sense a lot. So you're like, you're, 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 you're Dr. Walters, because you're, you're, you're helping these people in terms of their lives. You're enriching their lives by doing this. Well, they're helping me in the same way. How are they helping knowing you? That I can, knowing that I can get that kind of response from somebody in that condition makes me feel good and, and gives me that same, it helps me, you know, in the same way. It helps build my spirit. It helps energize me. Now let's talk about your energy. You're doing this wonderful okay. thing. We're also going to talk about why you're called Sky, but that's, that's, right. I, I, I smile at that. Um, uh, your energy, you're still doing this, your family is doing this with you, uh, uh, yeah. but now's a tough time for you. Correct. What's going on? Um, I had, last year, I had been diagnosed with uh, stage four pancreatic cancer spread to the liver, and for the last year, I have been undergoing chemo treatments. Um, having beaten the doctor on several occasions, originally on the two-month checkup, he said, we really only would have given you two months. Uh, we're looking at five or six. At my five-month checkup, he said, no, we're looking at maybe a year to three. At my one-year anniversary, he said, you know what? We're not even going to give you a number. Thank you for beating my odds again. That is terrific. Do you think music is doing it for you, too? Do you think the fact you're getting up, putting on your... Your, your black and white shoes and heading out there and saving lives, if you will, is helping your own yep. life? Um, it, and, it, and it helps. Uh, the, the last couple of weeks I've been going on, on good days. When I go to chemo every other week. So the first week I'm kind of rough, and the second week I'm in a good space. So I try to go to every other week for the second week when I'm, when I'm feeling up to it. Um, this week in particular, it's usually the second day of chemo. Is a really bad day for me. I don't even get out of bed other than to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But this week, I had chemo on Tuesday, and yesterday is my bad day. I had a function I needed to do for a job I had been doing at a place that knows me as both Sky and as my real name, which is Walter. Mm-hmm. And the program started at 3. I got there at 12.30, set up music, sang for them until 2.45, started some Jewish music for them because it was a Jewish function. We are approaching the holidays. Yes. Did a program which was 15 minutes long with the residents and the Jewish Pavilion, which is a group I had been working with as well. Um, 
And then for the rest of the 45 minutes, I sang Jewish songs to them. How'd you feel? I felt incredible. I felt great. I did not feel any of the aches and pains I normally feel during the, that second day. I didn't feel like I was going to fall asleep at any point. I felt great. I haven't felt that good in so long. So it's, again, the way, the way me singing to them makes them feel and their reactions helps build up my energy, helps build up my, my adrenaline. It just, it keeps me going. I, I was, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way. Do you think it's keeping you going? All these, all, all these highfalutin doctors are giving you these, these, these macabre diagnoses, but here you are spitting in their eye over it. Uh, do you think it's the music? Do you think it's the fact that you get up every day and you're doing what you love? I think it most certainly helps. I believe that, um, again, I, I mentioned the Jewish Pavilion, which I work for, and the Jewish Pavilion is a, a group that goes around to different living facilities, keeping the Jewish residents there in touch with their heritage, history, holidays, tradition, food, and when I'm there, music. Because I do music in all of them. I That's sing great. for all of them. That is great. And, um, you know, for, for those who believe, I feel, uh, you know, only God knows when I'm going. But I think he, he feels my job for him is not done yet. That I is really, really do. Well I think he knows that I have more to do for him. That is really brilliantly put. So, so as long as you're singing, you're singing. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. And, and I have to say, you know, with the chemo, I've lost my hair. I've lost my eyesight, I've lost my memory, I've lost my sex drive, but I have not lost my voice. <laughs> now, that's a quote. That's a really quick quote. Um, now, okay, let's talk spiritual for a minute. Why didn't you lose your voice? Why didn't you lose your voice? Um, I, I don't know. I'm just glad I haven't. You think it's I some, really don't know why. You think it's some inner fire in you that just says, nope, I'm singing and that's it? Maybe. That may be it. That's great. That is, that's inspiring. Great. That's inspiring. Okay, now, now let's get to some trivia here. Uh, you have the perfect sure. stage name, Sky Walters, and you wear these, these uh, uh, they're called spectators, the, the black and white shoes. Where'd that yeah. come from? Well, back in 1996, <laughs> I, got a phone, I got a phone call from this guy. It was, it was uh, August. Um, it was on a Sunday, saying, hello, my name is Jay Michaels. Oh, there's I another stage name. Yes, go on. Uh-huh. I'm auditioning for this play called Guys and Dolls, and we're looking for somebody to replace our Sky Masterson. Somebody gave me your name, so I'm giving you a call. So I called back and um, said, yeah, I'd love to come down. And I came in and auditioned and was given the part of Sky Masterson. Now, I'm sure there's more to that story you'd like to add. Oh, there's a ton um, of that. There's a ton of that. As to how, how the voice sounded and, and the thoughts that came through your mind when you heard me speak. Because my speaking voice is nothing like my singing voice. Uh, I, I, um, I remember someone telling me someone named Walter Goldstein might be good for the role. And I said, oh, come on, Walter Goldstein? What is he, a bald accountant somewhere in, 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 in Long Island? And when I spoke to you, yes, you have... Uh, you and I both have have that kind of voice that uh, that's your, your your regular nice guy voice. And when I heard "Hello, this is Walter Goldstein," I said, "Oh no, he can't do it. He's just not going to do it." You came in, 
uh, I handed you the script. I said, can you sound romantic? I'll try. And then you got up there. Hi, Miss Sarah. How are you? I was like, okay, great. But let's see if that translates to music. And then I said, can you sing the role? I'll try. And once again, there you go. That beautiful voice came out. And the rest is history. Uh, and I was cast as Sky Masterson. And when I act, I have this tendency to find somebody to flirt with backstage. That's how I keep in character and keep my mindset on the job at hand. And uh, the female lead of the other couple, which was Adelaide, um, caught my attention. And during one of the rehearsals, the all of the boys were like, you see the the cartoon wolf with the eyes bulging out and the tongue rolling on the floor as the girls were saying, take back your mink and getting undressed on stage. And you looked at me and said, all right, Goldie, which one do you like? And I said, well, kind of like Helene. And the next scene that was blocked was the scene with Helene that I had. And you say, all right, Sky, you're going to come and sit here with your back to the front. And Adelaide will come in, think that's me, and run over, plant a kiss on him, pull him up out of the chair. And then realize it's not Nathan. It should take all of two seconds. And she sat there and fought with you every minute. I go, get it? Why would she do that? She'd know that's not Nathan. And you said, the audience will get it. Don't worry. And you decided to have us kiss for whatever reason. And I thank you for that. Because you married over the course of over the course of the first three weeks, every one of her friends said, She's not interested, don't bother, you're wasting your time, she's got somebody, blah, blah, blah. And again, it was just a flirt partner. But as time went on, um, she started to realize I was not sly sky as she thought, and that I was a nice guy, and started to spend a little more time with me. And she who would not hate another actor in the show was told by our director, you, okay, it's the last weekend, you can start dating him now. Did I? I don't even remember that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and it, it took about another month just to make sure the show was, you know, that we were done. Um, but we started to date, and she still introduced me to everybody as Sky because she made it a habit of only calling people by their character name during the run of the show. And she kept introducing me as Sky to everybody. So okay, I became Sky as a nickname, and then I guess about eight months later, nine months later. I was doing a show, again, with a fabulous director uh, called Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Yo, that right. was an equity show, and I needed a, um, a stage name. And Walter Goldstein was a taken name. My middle name, which I prefer not to say, was a taken name. Um, so I went with Sky as being the first name. My father was a professional singer as a child, and he sang as Mel Walters. My sister, who had gone to the University of Miami, started using Penny Walters when she had to sing someplace as, as a stage name. So I said, okay, Sky Walters. And that's how it became Sky Walters. I don't remember that at all. You talk about your memory loss. Sorry, you beat me. I don't remember that at all from coulda, woulda, shoulda. Wow. That I that I remember. Ask me the names of the people on stage other than Andrea. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm feeling much better then. Okay, good. So uh, so now you and Helene are married. You're married all these years, and you moved there, and you started this great business. So she started her own business also, didn't she? Um, well, she's, she's selling party-like products. Um, 
she comes with me on the holidays because I believe that the residents of the nursing homes deserve just as good as anybody else. Why shouldn't they have an entertainer come in and visit them on Thanksgiving Day? Why shouldn't they have an entertainer come in on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, New Year's Day, uh, New Year's Eve? I, I go and I'll entertain at New Year's Eve early in the afternoon at the nursing home and then go to my nighttime party wherever I happen to be working that night. So, so you go there even on the holidays? I go especially on the holidays because that's more important in my head is to make sure that they have something because they deserve it. That's great. That is so uh, nice. So, my wife will come with, my son will come with, who, um, again, I had mentioned that my wife had some medical difficulties at that time. Our son was seven, that's Brad. Mm-hmm. And I would make him get up and sing a song or two. And it was just, at, at that time, it was cute. He could hold a note. He wasn't great, but he could hold a note. Um, now, if you were to listen to him, he and I sound very similar in the low range to the point that people can't tell who's singing unless you actually look. Now, now, when we talk about actually looking, there's the big difference, because one has to crane their head to see your son. He, he's, he's huge. He, he's so tall. He, I see these pictures, and he's so tall. He is, he is actually, he's, um, if I'm five, nine and a half, he's like five eleven. Uh, he looks even bigger, but okay, I get you. Yeah, well, that's because he's the one holding the camera, so he's in front. There you go. He, it makes him look like he's a like he's a giant. There you go. Um, but he really he really is not. He outweighs me by eighty pounds. But aye, he, aye, he, aye. You know, it, it, he doesn't he doesn't dance like I do. He doesn't move as much as I do. Now, now, I'm bringing up his size, uh, not just yeah. to make pleasant conversation, but if I remember correctly, when he was born. Uh, there were issues. Yes, he was actually um, three weeks early and undersized. We had to keep him in the hospital for an extra week and a half, I think it was. And he was always the smallest kid in his class until ninth grade. And then suddenly in ninth grade, he shot up, um, gained some height, gained some bulk. Uh, his senior year of high school, the, the football coach walked up to him and said, why aren't you on my football team? <laughs> And my, and my son looked him straight in the face. He said, that's the one where we're on the ice and we kick the black and white ball over the net and somebody else score. And the coach just went, got it, and walked away. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. He's, he's, he's not as musically inclined as I am, but he's got his music, he's got his video games. Again, you know, millennials, what else do they have? I do. Uh, so... But I, I have, on the other hand, I have done what I consider the tradition when my sister and I were kids and we'd get in the car for a car ride with mom and dad. 50% of the music was, was ours, 15% of the music was theirs. So we were always forced to listen to older singers. We always heard Neil Sedaka. We always heard, um, I'll say Sergio Franke. I don't even know that you'll know who he is. I do, of course. Um, okay. Uh, you know, just performers from the 40s, the 50s, big band music. And then we could listen to uh, whatever my sister was usually into at that point. 
I think Sean Cassidy was big at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, what, uh, Donny Osmond, um, Barry Manilow, who was coming through at that point in the early 70s. So we were, we were able to listen to music of then and now. So I did the same with my son. And my son loves his video game music. It's most of what he's got on his phone. But at the same time, he's got classic rock and roll. Um, he's, one of his favorite songs of all time is The Doors, uh, Painted Black. Um, he, he, he would sing Rock and Robin. He would sing, uh, Book of Love by the Monotones. He, he knew, you know, he knows music for more than just his time frame. Which everybody should learn more than just the music of their era. There's a popular misconception about millennials that, that, well, it's just a, a stereotype about in terms of video games, in terms about their attitudes and whatever. Uh, I have discovered in my travels how completely wrong it is, and I bet your son epitomizes uh, the the break of that stereotype. I bet he's a brilliant guy, and just by the fact that he's open to, to all kinds of music and all kinds of things, and that he's such a, a, a powerhouse to you guys, shows that, that millennial minds are, are really much stronger, much more facile, much much deeper than, than we give them credit for. Uh, probably are. I, I think, though, it also depends on the parenting. Yeah. Um, as, as an example, I always made sure it didn't matter what state I was in, it didn't matter how tired I was, it didn't matter if I couldn't get out of bed, if he's doing something wrong, he's going to fear me. He's going <laughs> to know he did something wrong, whether it just be a look on my face, you know, that, that, that look... He knows, you know, and there's, if, if I had to say how much he fears me, I would say it's a pinch. You know, just a, like, a, like a pinch of salt, yep. that's how much he fears me. But as long as he has that fear, he will always do the right thing. Well, then I'm going to correct you and say it's not a fear, it's a respect. He knows that you're going to guide him in the right direction. And so, so if you're going to give him the look you're basically saying, and this is the right direction to go in, and he's, again, he's smart enough to know what to do. I'll, I'll take that answer, that's sure. There you go. Now, you say about medical issues for Helene, your your wife. Uh, uh, can I can I be bold and ask you to talk about uh, those very briefly? Absolutely. She, um, about 12 years ago, she was diagnosed, diagnosed with um, stage 4 breast cancer into the lymph nodes. Um, she's had a double mastectomy. She's had a hysterectomy. She did a year of chemo before the mastectomy. She did, um, I think it was six months of radiation. Um, she has lost her voice a little bit. It's not, it's not as brilliant as it used to be. And, uh, at the time, Brad was again, he was around seven. And we sat down and we read to him, cancer out of the dictionary, which basically states it's an abnormal growth of cells in the human body. And then about two years later, he was walked into a room while the TV was on, and Rosie O'Donnell was talking about her mother who had died from breast cancer, and Brad looked at us and went, Mom could have died from this? Oh my gosh. And I said to him, and if you knew that then, what would you have done? He said, well, I guess there's nothing I could have done. I said, that's why we didn't tell you that. Because there's nothing he could have done about it. But at that time, it became my job to purge him up with to stay at home and heal. 
So here I am, the nice Jewish father, taking care of my Catholic son. <laughs> I had to teach him the Our Father for his First Communion. Um, with a with a first communion cake that said Mazel Tov on it. I figured. your communion. I was I was figuring some some multicultural humor uh, in there, and you gave it to me. Good. Absolutely. And uh, I took him to karate classes. He is a black belt. Um, I, I took him with me to nursing homes to just because I couldn't leave him at home, so he came with me. And uh, it, was, it was great father-son time as far as I'm concerned. And now, here we are well over a decade later, and she's doing just fine. She's doing great. She is now, um, she's a substitute teacher, and she actually had a class today. She was seven today. Oh, great. Um, I'm sure that doesn't help the voice either, because she's constantly, you know, I don't want to say yelling at the kids, but getting the kid's attention, so she's not using her voice properly. <laughs> she is projecting on 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 a consistent level. Uh, yeah, but I don't think she's using it properly. Oh, okay. It hasn't come back properly yet. Ah, uh, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, we're, it's, it's, I, I don't want to say it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. I mean, the last year for me has been, of course, ups and downs. But so many more ups. The, the the Facebook messages I get from the friends, the family. I can't tell you how many different people from the nursing homes have me on Facebook, and they they are. When are you coming back? We miss you. Um, you know, if I post a song on Facebook, they oh, it was great. Can't can't you come back to us? And, and again, I, that was that was yesterday for me. It was one of those places that was the first time I've done that in a year. Hmm. Where I, I've actually spun for three and a half hours straight. Oh, and it was so worth it. I, I, I whenever I teach theater, uh, which I which I do like every day, uh, uh, I always talk about how uh, the ancient Greeks. Uh, it was their religion. You went to a play to be inspired to learn about the gods, to learn about their journeys and, and their their struggles and how it's supposed to be cathartic and all of that. And and uh, when I ask my classes, are there still such stories nowadays? I get a yes, I get a no, something like that. But I'm talking to someone who uh, whose, whose child started into this world precariously, whose, whose wife uh, was, was at a particular point where most people... Where, where most people would only look at the dark side, uh, and and you yourself have have your own journeys right now that you're going through that you're already beating the odds, and you're while you're you're beating these odds, you are enriching the life of so many people where you are who who so desperately need it and don't get the opportunities to simply hear music, and and you are doing all of this for them. Uh, you're you're one of those plays. You're one of those stories. You're an inspiration. You you your care and your dedication is the stuff of dreams. And 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 if there is someone way upstairs looking down at us, if there are the gods uh, up there saying, "Okay, well, this is good, and this is this is what needs to stay," and whatever, may you be singing for the next hundred and twenty years, and may every doctor be as frustrated as humanly possible by the fact that they cannot diagnose just how long you're going to stay. 
That sounds good to me. Uh, my friend, it is always a pleasure to speak to you. What, what were you going to say? I, just real quick. I did have somebody say to me once, you know, I used to have problems with my stomach. I used to never feel good. And somebody got me on stage. And after a while, I realized that every time I walked out on stage, those aches and pains all went away. Ah. And it, the reason I stay in theater is because it makes me feel good. My mother used to, and, and my mother used to yell at me. That happens, uh, again, I believe that happened with you who made that statement to me. Did I really? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, one of us has memory loss, and it ain't you. Uh, I, I was going to say, my mother used to yell at me because I was always too sick to go to school. I always had an ache and pain and just didn't want to go to work and everything like that, but I would get up at whatever hour and, and get to a show, and, and I was just fine. So, okay, right. maybe I did say that to you at some point or another. So that's why I do push myself on those good days to get up and to go and to go perform for somebody. Even if I only get to sing one song every two hours, I still get that two songs in and it makes me feel good. Uh, I, speak to, I speak to singers and dancers and actors and authors, uh, the famous, the near famous, the hoping to be famous, the infamous, but there are very few that I speak to that I can honestly say are true, true, true with all their heart inspirations and 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 you top the list in terms of being a real artist and it is always a pleasure to speak to you my friend uh and thank you and my pleasure too. thank you so much for for gracing my podcast uh and i will tell our listeners just how to log on to facebook to find you to see just the inspiring work you're doing and vicariously by following you on facebook can see all the lives that that you're saving uh while uh, while keeping your own as as powerful and wonderful as it should be. Thank you, Mr. Skywalters. Uh, I more to it. Cool. Thanks, pal. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Jay. Right, Ciao. Bye. What we did not mention in the interview was that Goldie, that's my own nickname for him, by the way, did for me personally. I have a collection of comic book and horror film memorabilia. Now, this is common knowledge now, thanks to my hosting of Terror Talk on the streaming station Terror TV. But uh, when he and I knew each other in the past, uh, I lived in a Manhattan apartment. Now, that was a pretty small endeavor right there, and I couldn't store them. So he offered to take the, what must be about 20 boxes of comic books, magazines, pictures, posters, models, etc., and store them in his storage area for well over a decade, may have even been two decades. Uh, as, as one can see, my memory fails more than his. Um, I got them back when he left for Orlando, and happily I had room to store them at that point. When I went through them, I reconnected with my youth and the joy it brought me. And for me, that was better than the finest medicine. They also helped propel the most recent facet of my career, as you can imagine. Now, maybe just storing some stuff seemed small to you, but those books and bits of movie ephemera with the DNA of my youth. We all have stories of our youth that are good and not so good. For me, the not so good seem to be the majority. Those books and the memories I have with my father collecting them are absolutely precious. That simple gesture saved me on so many levels. Thanks to that gesture, I've created what I call a Goldie meter. No, not a gold in my ear, a Goldie meter. 
I will always endeavor to help those around me. Just some little, tiny, doable gesture that makes life easier and maybe better. Will I always succeed? <laughs> no way. But as Sky Walters said when he first auditioned for me, I'll try. Sky will return to speak on this broadcast again in 2020 and 21 and 22 and 23 and as long as he would like. Well, see you all in 2020. And until then, and to all, happy holidays.